thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Have you ever had one of those days? Anyone ever had one of those days where nothing seems to go right? I don't know whether you resonate with that. And I read this story. It's quite an old story from 1982 uh, from the uh, Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, from strange and unusual events. Listen to this. Brian had more than his fair share of bad luck in July. His apartment in Provo, Utah, became flooded from a broken pipe in the upstairs apartment. The manager told him to go out and rent a water vacuum. That's when he discovered that his car had a flat tyre. He changed it and went inside again and called a friend for help. But from the electric shock he got from the phone, he inadvertently ripped the instrument from the wall. Before he could leave the apartment a second time, a neighbour had to kick the door down because water damage had jammed it tight. While all this was going on, someone stole his car. But it was almost out of gas, so he found the car a few blocks away, but then had to push it to a gas station where he filled up the tank. That evening, Brian attended a military ceremony at his university. He injured himself severely when he somehow sat on his bayonet, which had been tossed in the front seat of the car, which sounds incredibly painful. Doctors were able to stitch up the wound, but no one was able to resuscitate Brian's four canaries, who were crushed to death from falling plaster. After Brian slipped then that evening on the wet carpet and badly injured his tailbone, he said he began to wonder if God wanted me dead but kept missing. That's an awful day, isn't it? You ever had one of those days, you've probably not had a day like that, but we've had a day when it just seems like problem after problem. Anyone ever had that experience, whether you're watching in the room or online? You know, several years ago, in fact, a long time ago, I first went to the country of Bulgaria. Now, one of our worship leaders is Bulgarian, so I have to be careful what I'm saying. But I, um, I learned one of my first words in Bulgarian. Would you like to hear it? It is the Bulgarian word for problem. And it is this, problem. See, that's how I get on overseas. Basically, find an English word and say it with an accent. But I actually, a nyama problem is no problem in Bulgarian. But you know, problems are everywhere, aren't they? Everywhere. And the question that we want to ask today in this new season, this new day, in this new season is this. Can we profit from problems? Can we profit from problems? And I'm using that word deliberately because immediately we all think about financial gain because that's what the dictionary defines profit as, financial gain. But it also defines profit as advantage or benefit. Is there advantage, is there gain, is there benefit from our problems? I actually think there is. You ever met someone who's Attitude to life's problems is inspiring. Ever met someone like that? You know, you'll know some of the famous people like Abraham Lincoln. You know, his sweetheart died. He had a nervous breakdown. He, uh, his business failed. He lost virtually every election he went for. And finally, in 1860, was elected president of the United States of America. And then there's Colonel Sanders, who, you know, again, um, uh, had horrendous illnesses. Um, I, think, I think he had about a, a thousand failures, they reckon, in his life. At 65, he was penniless. But then when he started selling his chicken recipe in his mid-70s, he made a fortune. His attitude to life's problems was really, really inspiring. And I think this is how it works. I think what happens is problems create pressure, 
But actually the other side of that, there is profit. You see, we have problems, they create pressure. The other side of that, there is profit, if only we can understand how to profit. You see, what I think we want is we all want the profit without the pressure or the problems, don't we? Like we all want, get me there, without there and without there. But here's the thing, those people who inspire us by the way they approach life and the problems and the pressure, they understand that you don't get the profit without the problems or without the pressure. Anyone ever seen or met someone whose faith is incredibly inspiring? Like they have this faith and it just seems so durable, so unshakable, and so absolutely beautiful. I want to suggest they would also say, you don't get a faith like that without pressure and without problems. You just don't get a faith like that. And in this series over the next five weeks, there's a whole team of us going to be speaking the next few weeks. And we're looking at this question or this statement. There is a faith that works even when life doesn't. And whether you're a person of faith or not, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room, there is a faith that works even when life doesn't. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but at the moment, it doesn't look like a lot of life is working for a lot of people across the planet. And our hearts are going out to all of our friends. And many of you will know people in India and other parts of the world where it is incredibly full of huge problems right now. And it doesn't look like there's a lot of profit out of those problems, but I really believe that there is. And over the next five weeks, if you want to track with us, we'd love you to track with us. We're looking at a book in the Bible called the the book of James. James is one of my favourite books in the Bible. The Bible is made up of 66 books, okay? And whenever you look at the, a book in the Bible, you need to understand a little bit about it. Here's a little tip for you. Three great questions to ask. Firstly, ask author, then audience, then agenda. In other words, who wrote it? Because the Bible is written by lots of different people over lots of years. What is the audience that they're writing to? Some people wrote to Jewish people. Some people wrote to non-Jewish people. Some people wrote to to the church. Some people didn't. Some people wrote uh, under Roman uh, occupation, others at other times. And then thirdly, agenda. What is it that they're trying to say? Every book in the Bible is written by someone to someone with something specific to say. So the book of James is written by a guy called James, the half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being related like one of your brothers or sisters? Can you imagine like your your brother is Jesus? Like how is that growing up? What about sibling rivalry? But what about sibling blame? Anyone ever done that? Like who did it? Oh, it was him. Do you know what I mean? It was my brother. If it's that, it was Jesus did it. Do you imagine, imagine Mary say, who, who, you know, who, I don't know, who left, the, who left the gas on? There wasn't any gas, but whatever the thing was, and oh, Jesus did it. It's like, this wouldn't happen. You know, but that was the brother of James, was Jesus. And the Bible says, if you read through the Gospels, that James did not believe that his half-brother Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that until Jesus died was resurrected. And then in the book of Corinthians, Paul says that over 40 days, Jesus appeared to over 500 people in different places and in different times. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7, then he saw James. Then he appeared to James. And it was the appearance of the resurrected Jesus to James that convinced him that his brother was actually not just his brother, but the son of God. That's the author of the letter 
of James. What's the audience? Who's he writing to? He's writing to the early church who are now scattered because of persecution. He writes it between about AD 62 and AD 69. And it's a group of followers of Jesus who are under pressure. They are full of problems. But he writes it to that audience. And what's his agenda? Well, he's basically encouraging them to work out their faith in a way that's real. Don't just say you believe in Jesus, work it out. You've got problems right now, but there's profit beyond problems if you can work out your faith. There is a faith that works even when life doesn't. It's called often the New New Testament version of Proverbs. It's like full of wisdom. It's punchy. It's like gritty. It gets right in there. In fact, I would love to encourage you guys to, um, if any of you are into U version, you know, there's an incredible U version uh, Bible reading plan. There's lots that go along with the book of James. This is one I would recommend. It's written by a pastor of Village Church in Dallas, uh, in Texas, a guy called Matt Chandler. I'm going through this on my own at the moment. So if you've got a U version on your Bible, and if you've never done this, really encourage you to download it, then track through with us over the next five weeks. And each of the next five weeks, we're going to look at something from each of the five chapters of James. So I'm going to kick it off today, and I'm going to look in James chapter one, and just three verses with you, okay? So if you've got a Bible, then you can switch it on, or you can turn to it, or you can watch it on the screen. But in James one, he says this in verse two and four, consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. These are incredible verses. And I only want to look at these verses because they're so rich and so full. And I think James gets right in there. He introduces the letter. He says that I am James, a servant of Christ Jesus. His half-brother doesn't mention that, doesn't name drop, just says I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. Then he gets right into it and he says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. And that word trials, it means testing. It covers things like difficulties, setbacks, challenges, problems. And I want to open up this area of problems. I want to give you four things about it today, okay? Number one, problems are inevitable. Do you know that? He doesn't say, uh, if you face trials of many kinds. He says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, they're inevitable. You and I are part of life. We're going to face trials. Peter, um, another New Testament writer, he says in in his writings, don't be surprised when you face trials. You know, like we are. We're shocked, aren't we, when we face problems. And I don't know about you, but when I face a lot of problems, I get into a situation where it's either like, what have I done to deserve it? Anyone ever thought like that? Or, or what's wrong with me? Anyone ever said that? Or what's wrong with God? Because I'm having so many difficulties, so many trials, so many problems. And yet, James says, Peter says, Jesus says, don't be surprised. Life is full of problems. It is inevitable. It's part of the whole thing of life. And secondly, problems are also unpredictable. James says, whenever you face problems of many kind, and that in the original language, that word face, literally means to fall into unexpectedly. I don't know about you, but we don't always get a text telling us that a problem's coming our way, do we? 
what actually happens is that we fall into the problem unexpectedly. Remember years ago, uh, Alison, my wife, who we met earlier on, those of you in the room anyway, um, she, she led one of our first teams to Zambia. And we used to send loads of teams to Zambia years ago when we were working in communities with HIV AIDS. And on one of these trips, in fact, it was the first trip that they all went, um, that, uh, there was a dentist with them as well. And they were taking some um, uh, uh, medication and stuff to, to do some dentistry work. What we didn't know is that in Zambia, one of those treatments is a controlled drug. And so what happened is that when the team went through uh, uh, the customs, they then found themselves arrested at gunpoint and placed on the back of a lorry and taken to a police station. And I remember Alison phoning me and I was in the cinema at the time. And she said, I've been arrested at gunpoint in Zambia. And I said, and I'm in the middle of a film. Can you not phone me back at the end of the film? I'm joking. No, I'm not. I really did say that. But I was only joking, okay? And we sorted it out. But all of a sudden, unexpectedly, they were faced with a problem. They didn't think about it. It wasn't, they weren't prepared. And James says, life is like that. You're just going about your life, normal life, and unexpectedly you face, you fall into a problem. They're inevitable and they are unpredictable. But they're also multi-pack. Problems, what do I mean by multi-pack? You know, because he says, whenever you face problems of many kinds, and that Greek phrase, many kind, literally means multicoloured. It's like there's a whole rainbow here. There's a whole breadth of colour. So not only are they inevitable and unpredictable, but they're multi-packed. There are so many different kinds of problems. And I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it's the small problems that can take me over the edge. Anyone feel like that? It's like you can have all these massive problems in your life, but then the small one comes along. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't get the Wi-Fi or something else. And it's that that seems to take us over the edge. But you know, I've got some good news for you guys today, okay? Whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching online, whether you're watching later on, problems can be purposeful. Problems not only are inevitable and, and um, you know, and unexpected and multi-packed, but they can be purposeful in our lives. They can bring us profit, not in terms of finance, but something way richer and way more beneficial than that. You see, when James is writing about problems, he uses the word trials. And it's literally this idea that these things are testing you in order to make you better. There's something in it that is there to make you better. It's like a school, okay? It's when you're tested at school, the test is meant to make you better. It's meant to bring you into a different level of life. How many of you remember school tests? In fact, Andy and Laura in the pre-service, for those of you that are watching it online, they asked, what was your worst lesson at school? Mine was chemistry by a long shot. In fact, when I went to do my A-levels, I was doing A-level geology and I didn't have um, GCSE as it was at the time, back in the, the old days. Um, uh, I didn't have chemistry and so I had to do this chemistry exam and, and I tried to do chemistry and I just couldn't work it out at all. And finally, uh, I did this exam and <laughs> I actually got 0% in the exam. Seriously, I got 0%. And uh, the teacher said to me at the end of the lesson, what have you got to say about this? And do you know what I said? I said, it does leave room for improvement. That's what I said. Me and chemistry finished at that point. But I love these, these little kids kind of exam questions. I love this one. Name the quadrilateral. Bob, Sam, Kate. Isn't that brilliant? And then this one, if you remember these kind of maths, find X. Here it is. 
I mean, that just sounds just like obvious to me, isn't it? Like there it is. And then, and then this one, a little bit of this. Why are there rings on Saturn? Because God liked it, so he put a ring on it. Oh, isn't that nice? The teacher said Saturn was not a single lady. All right, Saturn was. A... Now, this one is a little scary as well. I like Mrs. Edwards. She is my teacher. I like when she does meth with us. I think she's talking about maths, not meths. That's a whole different issue. But you know, if you remember back to school, and here's the thing, our pain can be pain that imprisons us or it can be a school that prepares us. Guys, our pain can be pain that prepares us or it can be a school that prepares us. And I don't know how many of you today Whenever, wherever you're watching this, whether you're here in the room, whether you're not, I don't know how many of you say, do you know what? Right now, my life is full of problems. They're unexpected. They're multicoloured. Some of them are tipping me over the edge. Those problems can become a school that prepare you for something profitable now and in the future. So what is the profit that problems and pressure can bring to us. Well, James says the first thing is that, hey, hey he says, well, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The first thing is perseverance. And perseverance is so important. It means staying power. It means hanging in there. It literally means the ability to stay under pressure. And when you stay under pressure long enough, Something amazing. And I mean, we all know, don't we, that it's pressure that causes carbon, causes carbon, and there's me doing a bit of chemistry with you, causes carbon to turn into a diamond. It's pressure that brings incredible things out of us. And James says, when, when you persevere, then it says it leads you on to the second thing, which is it will bring you character. Character is the prophet. That's the profit. That's the gain that our problems can bring into our lives, that problems and pressure can bring the profit of perseverance that can lead to character. James says you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can you imagine that? Be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Character is everything. Rick Warren, who's a pastor in California, says God is far more interested in your character than in your comfort. I don't know about you, but we haven't known a lot of comfort over the last season, have we? It's felt very uncomfortable. We've known discomfort. We've been uncomfortable. But God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. The reality is character doesn't come outside of pressure and outside of problems because it's often those things that are the school that prepare us for the future. So how do we turn our problems into profit? Well, the clue is right at the beginning of verse 2 when James says this, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. That sounds bonkers, doesn't it? It's like whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you face these unexpected, these multicoloured problems, whenever you face this difficulty, consider it pure joy. It sounds to me a little like Disney. You know, or it sounds a little bit kind of almost masochistic as if like I'm going through these problems and I'm supposed to think, woohoo, joy, consider it joy. But the word consider 
And some, some Bible translations say count it all joy. It's like a, it's like a kind of a, an accountancy term. It's, it, it, it considered literally means take a deliberate look. It's not an emotional response. It's a logical, factual, uh, accounting kind of response. In other words, sit down and look at it and consider it, count it as joy. And I want to unpack this with you a little bit because I think this is so important. Joy is such an important word. You see, this is where faith really begins to work. And it's all about where our faith is rooted or the source of our faith. The start of lockdown, <clears throat> we had some builders around our house. Uh, we were converting our garage um, into an office. And Alison now is sat in that office every day, hour after hour, uh, working from home. And as they were doing that, like, I don't know, two or three days into the process, they were doing a great job. They did do a great job. Um, I realised, because I was also working at home, as I still am, that um, we had no more Virgin Media. Like the, the TV package was no more. There was no Netflix. I wouldn't have been able to watch Line of Duty. I know, tonight, how exciting is that? I, and it was just all gone. And it's one of those problems, like I said earlier, that became a big problem, okay? It's like, the world has stopped. The television isn't working. And so I did everything, I, and I'm not very technical, but I went on YouTube, researched it. I phoned Sam, our tech guy. I got him to put all of his genius into it over the phone and we couldn't solve the problem. I couldn't get the TV to work. And eventually I got through to Virgin Media. The other, other providers are also available. Can I just say that for those of you out there? Uh, it took me a long time. I had to threaten to... Anyway, won't go there. Won't go on to that. They do a great job. There we go. Move on. Uh, but basically, eventually an engineer came out and the engineer tried to do everything and couldn't get it to work. And then he said, where's your, where's your wires, your cable? So I showed him. So, we so he called me and he said, I think I found your problem. And he lifted up the cable and it had been cut right down the middle. One of the builders had cut through the cable. That was the issue. The issue wasn't any of the other stuff. The issue was the source. You see, here's the big deal. And here is the thing. The root of your life determines the fruit of your life. The connection, the source is everything. And James says, listen, when you're having problems, guys, when you're, and in their context, it was persecution. When you're having difficulties, when life is tough, when you've lost someone you love, when your job goes through a difficult time, when your friend falls out with you, when you face problems of many kind, check your source. Because if you are connected and rooted in joy, if joy is your source, you can turn your problems into profit. Is joy the same as happiness? Or is joy like the Christian version of happiness? If any of you out there or in here remember, if you were brought up in Sunday school, you might remember this song. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. You remember it, some of you remember it, some of you thinking, I don't know what's going on. And there's this idea that there's joy down in my heart. When I was growing up in church, I looked around everybody else in church and I thought, do you know what? The joy is really deep down in your heart. Like it's really deep. It's so deep, it's going to need a deep sea diver to get it. But I don't think that joy is the Christian version of happiness. And I love this, what a guy called Louis Giglio says, happiness is an emotion in response to the current outcome. That's so deep and profound. Happiness is an emotion. There's nothing wrong with happiness. 
but it's an emotion in response to the current outcome. And as a football fan, I can tell you, three or four seconds can be the difference between happiness and despair. Do you know what I mean? Like you're going to Wembley and then you're not going to Wembley. You're being promoted and then you're not being... And it literally can turn on a matter of seconds or moments. If happiness is our root, if happiness is our source, then we are always going to be suspect to, to, to like problems and difficulties throwing us way off course. When the outcome is great, we feel great. It's profit. When the outcome is not great, we feel terrible. But a faith that turns problems into profit isn't rooted in happiness. It's rooted in joy. And then again, Louis Giglio nails it by saying this. Joy is a durable and permeating gratitude rooted in unchanging outcomes. Isn't that amazing? Just leave that quote up there for a minute, guys. Joy is a durable and permeating, I just love that, permeating gratitude rooted in unchanging outcomes. And the word joy in the original word uh, language, uh, uh, the Greek language is the word kara. And, and it literally means grace. And it's like joy, Christian joy is rooted in the grace of God and knowing that we are seated in the glory of God to come. So in other words, when you're rooted in a relationship with Jesus and you're seated in a relationship with Jesus, then whatever happens in life now is okay because I'm rooted in Him, in grace. And whatever is happening in the future is okay because I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. So actually, James says, so consider it pure joy. So whenever you face these problems and you look to turn these problems into profit, don't forget none of this affects where you're rooted and where you're seated. Are you with me? Because actually where you're rooted and where you're seated is unchanging. It's, and that's why you can have this durable, permeating joy because it's rooted in gratitude for the grace that you're seated in and the glory, the grace that you're rooted in and the glory that you're seated in. And I think this is incredible. So what do I do? What do I actually do? How do I turn my profit or my problems into profit? Well, James challenges us to consider and consideration is a choice. The two things I want to encourage you to do. Okay, and then we're going to respond to him in the rest of our time together. Number one, choose your source. Choose your source. And listen today, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, if your source isn't a relationship with Jesus, if you are not rooted, connected, if that wire isn't connected into the source of Jesus, you can make that choice today. You can choose your source. You see, when we choose our source and when we dig into that, we understand that that He is the source of joy. That means that whatever problems we face, we're rooted and we're seated in grace. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. God can't give us happiness and peace outside of himself because it is not there. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, I want you to know this. We don't need more joy. We need more Jesus. Hello? Because when we've got more Jesus, we've automatically got more joy. Root yourself in 
Jesus. Secondly, don't just choose your source, choose your response. The Bible often says this phrase, rejoice. And again, I say in all circumstances, rejoice. And again, that word rejoice, the root word is kara. Again, it's the word grace. In other words, because of how you're rooted and where you're rooted and where you're seated, you can choose your response. Viktor Frankl was a, a famous guy who was a Holocaust survivor. And you can't even imagine, can you, what it would be like to come through something like this. But he says this, They stripped me naked. They took everything, my wedding ring, watch. I stood there naked and all of a sudden realised at that moment that although they could take everything away from me, my wife, my family, my possessions, they could not take away my freedom to choose how I was going to respond. We've had lots of challenges over the last year or so, haven't we, guys, in how we're going to respond. And as we come out of lockdown, we're going to have lots of challenges on how we're going to respond. We've got to choose joy. We've got to choose our source. And we have got to choose our response. How do we turn our problems into profit? We make sure we are rooted and established in the grace of God. And then we choose to respond with joy. And I want to encourage you uh, as we finish and draw to a close, so two questions. And I want you to think about these two questions. Is the root of my life able to bring the fruit that I want for my life? In other words, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, where is your root? And the fruit you want comes from the root that you have. So I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment, maybe to take a step towards that. Whereas the root of your life is able to bring the fruit that you really want. But the second thing I want to ask us is this. Do I need others in my life to help me turn my problems into profit? Is it going to be just me or even just me and Jesus? Or actually, do I need others to help me turn my problems into profit? You see, here's the thing, guys. We're not only uh, rooted in grace We're not only seated in future glory, but in between that, we're planted in a community of other people. And I don't know about you, but over the last 12 months or so, I've never been more aware of the fact that with all the problems that are in my life and in your life, I have needed other people so much this last year to actually speak into that echo chamber that I spoke about last week or a couple of weeks ago. You know that when you're on your own and you're dealing with your problems on your own, it can be like an echo chamber and the only voice you hear is your own. You need other voices into that echo chamber. And I want to encourage you guys in this next season, as we begin to emerge out, let's not just all like do our own thing. Let's remember that we are not just rooted, but we are planted in community with one Another. I want to show you an incredible story, a true story from our church. This lady found us online, went on Alpha to sort out the root and the source issue to make sure that she was rooted and then found herself in a small group that we call Connect Groups. So she literally found us online, did Alpha and then in a Connect Group and she is telling you her story herself today. Her name is Brenda. This is Brenda's story. I found Life Central during the pandemic. I was literally searching around online, trying to find a church that I could attend, listen to services, and I just happened to fall onto the Life Central. It was amazing. Um, I listened to the services and I found that the sermons really resonated with me and where I am in my life now. 
I decided that I would do an alpha course. Um, after I'd done the alpha course, I really enjoyed it, decided this is the way that I wanted to go and I requested if it was possible to join a connect group. I am now part of a connect group and there are approximately six, seven people within my group. It's run by a couple of the leaders. We delve into talking about the service and the different meanings it had for us. We expand on how we can relate that to our lives and I found the group to be really supportive, so any issues that I have during the week or things that are worrying me, we talk about that within our Connect group. And people give their opinions, they're supportive, they're encouraging, and hopefully I do the same for other people as well. It's been really interesting, really interesting, really supportive, supportive. and I find that the support that maybe I was missing in my wider circle, I now have that as part of the Connect group. Just an incredible story about how Brenda uh, found us and found Jesus online, did an alpha course, and then planted herself in a community. And that's so, so important. And I want to say to maybe if any of you are watching today and you thought, what's the alpha course all about? We're into, it's week three coming up of alpha. It's not too late for you to register for it as well. It's just a course that is online. We're joining with 164 other churches nationally. And, and lots of people on that course don't say that they don't have faith or they're exploring faith. They're just taking a step, maybe to think about that root and that source in your life. And you can do that really easily. You can sign up with a with thing that's coming, uh, the, 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 the link uh, in the chat right now if you're online or on the screen. Or you can take your phone and you can just text LCC Alpha, your name to, uh, and then your name, and then to 60777. So if it was me, I'd go LCC Alpha, Leon Evans, 60777, and then just press send. But I want to also encourage you, if you're not yet in a connect group, and we were so excited this week that we launched our first virtual connect groups. That's connect groups for people who don't live near us, but from around the country. And so again, we're offering those as well. And if you're not in a connect group, again, you can take a step today. Maybe here in the room, you can do it. If you're not in a connect group, uh, just again, follow the link. Follow the link. You can do that. Or online, you can do that as well. And you know, in a moment, I want to pray for you as well. And I want to pray for everybody watching today, whether you're here or whether you're online. You know, we're going to worship and we're going to respond here in the room. And then the online audience are going to leave us and we're going to continue then here in the, in the room uh, to worship and respond to God today. I want to invite you to stand if you're in the room. Why don't you do that? Stand with me. And uh, we're going to sing a song together. The band are going to lead us in a song. You're going to worship with this song. And if you're watching online, don't just tune out now, lean in. And this is a great song we've been learning during this last year. And there's a line in the song that says, Even the darkest days are temporary. Even the darkest days are temporary. And I think that's the perspective that you and I need. And when you are rooted in grace, when your joy is secure, you know that this is temporary. These problems won't last forever. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, so we've looked at James and we mentioned Peter, but Paul in 2 Corinthians, and I'll read these famous verses from the Passion Translation and listen to this. He says this, So no wonder we don't give up. Guys, I want to say to you, Life Central Church, don't give up. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on community. Don't give up on meeting together as we emerge and more opportunities come. Don't just stay at home. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner person is being renewed every single day. And then he says this, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Guys, we are rooted in the unseen realm because we are rooted in grace. We are planted in community and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So even the darkness is temporary because He is the eternal light. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I wanna pray for every single person, whether they're here in the room, whether they're watching online live or in the time to come. God, may we know that we, our problems can be turned into profit. Why? Because of You. When we're rooted in You, when we know that we're seated and when we're planted in community, God, these problems can become profit. They can become advantage. And Lord, I wanna pray if there's anyone today who's struggling, who's weighed down with problems and difficulties, may they know that there is a faith that works even when life doesn't. And God, may they know as they engage with You today that You are with them and that You will bring advantage and benefit out of these challenging situations. And God, let us choose always joy in the face of difficulties and problems, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen.